Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. I'm Doug. I'm Joe. And um, a lot of times we smoke the cigar a few minutes before we start, but I decided just to go ahead and start. We're kind of... It's a reunion show yeah, here. A little bit. <laughs> out of the habit and kind of... Yeah. No, no notes and kind of no prep. Just we're... Um, as the story goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna puff on this a second before I before I say anything else. There's a small part right in the center. Looks like I didn't quite get lit. Just we just lit was the point of saying some of that. And usually we smoke for a few minutes before we get going. So we have a. Uh, Double Chateau Fuente in our hands right now, Arturo Fuente. And I forgot the size because it's like a. I don't think it's quite a Churchill. It's a little fatter than a Churchill and a little shorter. It's probably a double Corona. It's pretty close though, isn't it? It's pretty close, but I think it's just a. I think it's a double Corona, um, which which is a fat, which is a Corona that's a little fatter and a little longer. Um, I'd say it's a long Toro is another way to put it, but it's who cares what you call it. Um, I, I guess I'd like to get the size right. I'd say it's probably a 50 ring gauge. And Sounds right. Six, six, six and a half inches long. And uh, I'm kind of touted as <clears throat> one of Fuente's best, or probably in their, well, top three relatively easy to come by cigars. They're not always easy to come by, but you know, if you're willing to wait, They'll come out every year. Like when they come out, they might sell out, but they'll be out again. Um, but uh, Opus X and Lost City are kind of touted as their best. Anejo is right up there. This one kind of falls in of some of the people saying, "Wait a minute, this one's good too. Don't don't forget this one." So, um, yeah, I had some reminders set up at three or four different places online, and one of them sent me an email and said, "Hey, we've got some." So I got a five pack about six months ago, and they've been sitting in my humidor. Nice. Yes, yeah, not something that I guess, I guess as a person that farms, uh, it makes sense that they would have a yearly cycle of cigars. Uh, some of these places are in the tropics, though. So do they have just one harvest a year, or do they stagger things so that they are continuously harvesting? I can't tell you for sure because I'm not an expert, but by just judging by the availability of the cigars, I'd say the cycle's annual. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> um, they might double crop in a year, but I, I, I don't know. I, I do know also that there's some aging involved sometimes, so it's not just they don't just harvest and then make right, the cigar and get right. it to you. So, um, <clears throat> but the cycle would still be the same. Even if you age it five years, it would still age five years and the cycle would be the same or whatever. So, well, <clears throat> or, um, we should talk about what what we have. Oh, before we do, if you hear a little hum in the background, we're, we're not in our garage this time. We're actually sitting uh, in, in my van. It's it's a cold day. The garage was going to be too cold, I think, even. And, you know, we have a heater, but if we run it, you can't hear us. So the van's on, the heater's on low, windows open just so the smoke will roll out. It's a really comfortable, beautiful day, skiff of snow on the ground. And so if there's a little hum in the background, it's because of the van running. We'll, we'll hope it doesn't affect the podcast too much. There's a little vibration, I know, on the phone, but we'll be all right. So um, so what are we getting from this as we 
as we start? Well, first impressions, I think that appearance is always the first thing that I look at. Pun, no pun intended. But uh, it's, a be- it's a pretty cigar. It's kind of a rough texture to the leaf. I don't know if yours has that as well. It's not not super shiny or smooth, but it's uh, it's pretty. R- sort of a rust in a rustic but yet sophisticated way. I think I'm right in telling you this. See how there's little bumps on it? Mm-hmm. That's called tooth. Tooth. Yeah. If it's when it's not smooth and it's kind of bumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bumps aren't. My understanding is the bumps aren't from the tobacco inside pressing through. It's actually the quality of the the, mm-hmm. the leaf. So it's yeah. a toothy wrapper leaf. Toothy. Very good. And <clears throat> I actually didn't look up any of the information on this. Again, we were kind of like Joe's been. Uh-huh. Had, a, had a crazy kind of yeah. life the last couple of months, and we haven't met. I might have done one podcast with one other person, but pretty much we haven't been doing podcasts. And it was like, when I found out he was available, it's like, I am too. I can make this afternoon work. We're just going to grab this cigar. It's actually not one we were planning on reviewing. It's just one that I really love. And I haven't had one probably since the last time I sat down with Joe. So, <coughs> so yeah, uh, I know I haven't had one. So, but uh, first impressions on the taste... <laughs> My first thought when I when I lit this cigar was, hmm, interesting. I wonder what this is going to turn into. I felt like the uh, the initial light wasn't an, wasn't a very good good representation of what I was going to get later on down the cigar. So I'm really w- waiting for a transition. But um, right now, it's it's it seems very well balanced. It's not it's not sharp or. Uh, Overly powerful at the beginning, with a little bit of sweetness, but not overly sweet, certainly. Well, so it's leaving me wanting, and and oh, you know, normally we're five minutes into a cigar, right? Before we even start talking, or more before we start talking about it. So we're 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 just lighting. Um, I'm getting a really light earth. It was interesting when I touched my tongue after the cut. I always touch my tongue on the cigar just to kind of taste the cigar and to dampen it in case there are any little mm-hmm. flecks that'll just kind of not fall out in my mouth later on and give me a little taste of the tobacco without lighting it. Uh, it it was a little spicy on my tongue, but it's not spicy now except maybe a hint in the back of my throat. Yeah, I'm getting just a little bit of spice, but not not very much. Yeah, I'm not feeling it on my tongue. It's, it's, I'm feeling it in the back anyway, and it's it's earthy, and maybe just a hit, hint of a Maybe a tang. I'm not sure about that. Just a, maybe there's a small tanginess. I might be wrong. Um, I'm gonna try one more draw here. Might be a little nut and nuttiness, perhaps. I think so. I would agree. I would agree with that. And uh, I want to let it warm up and and, and see where it goes. Um, I don't know why. Maybe because it's Arturo Fuente and they don't seem to be transitioning cigars. Mm. Um, I, I expect it maybe to open up and brighten a little bit, but I don't expect it to change from now till the end. Mm. It might just we might just have got started and not have be having quite the fullness of it yet. Mm. But I expect it to be consistent all the way through. Um, it doesn't taste strong either. It tastes really smooth. Um, so, I guess that's I guess that's enough yeah. for now. We're started. See what happens here. So, what's on the forefront of thy brain today, Douglas? Well, I, I, uh, there was some interesting news about, um, oh, a trade agreement. Mm-hmm. 
that's like pretty recent, like maybe just in the last few hours I heard the news. And the details of the agreement aren't such a big deal. It's a North American thing. Uh, but the what, post, the, what do you, what's the fancy word you say to mean after NAFTA? The, the not the precursor, but the the follow up to NAFTA, I guess. Once once yeah. Trump threw out NAFTA, um, but the, the the Democrats are basically saying, well. Which is what they would say regardless of what it was. Well, what Trump had was okay, but we had to do a little negotiation. We made it great. You know, we made it better. We made it awesome. But what crossed my mind, and I have no clue, I can't, I'm not inside Nancy Pelosi's brain, but what crossed my mind was, as soon as I heard the news, I thought, Nancy Pelosi has got her, we'll say, head in such a, her head in such a vice with the impeachment, you know, I believe she thinks impeachment's a bad idea, but it got so far forward that she's like, oh crap, I can't get out now. So now she's like, how do I save my power, save my party? And so she's like, we gotta, we gotta let everybody know how awesome we are. So, okay, yeah, yeah, let's just just do this trade thing. Well, well, yeah, Trump, well, yeah, we negotiated, we made it better. Now Uh, here's this trade thing. We're awesome. It's almost, it is, (laughs) it is laughable how, how open how easily they're read like that, you know, because like what you're saying is absolutely true. This, this impeachment thing is going to ruin their party, I think. And yeah, so the, the trade deal, which we desperately need. And the only reason it's even been held up, I am the way I understand is because of this petty political back and forth with the house. Yeah. It's a good deal. Was a good deal. And honestly, okay. So NAFTA was the old deal. This Mm -hmm. one's the North, uh, U.S. Mexico, Canada, Canada, USMCA is what it's called. Oh, yeah. United States, Mexico, and Canada. Yeah. Uh, trade deal. And on a, okay, so I was listening to a, I think it was Cindy Axney. Does that, is that, she's a house representative from, I think, the western part of Iowa, I think. And they were talking about, I think it was an interview I heard with her, like a month and a half ago. They were talking about the big deal is that, is, Everybody likes the deal. Everybody knows the deal has to happen. But the, the, the reason there's been resistance is who's going to get the credit for it. Which is like such a slap in the face to a, to a working person in this country. And it's so obvious that, that, that a political novice can look at the situation and say, you're holding back progress. Why? Because what? <laughs> I think it's just completely obvious. But. Yeah, and it, it is funny that um, it, it seems like the majority of the people in the United States are just like, I'm tired of impeachment, I want it over. Um, and and if you phrase the question right and say, you know, or, you know, do you want Trump impeached? People might be more interested and say, yes, I do, or I don't care. But the point, the point is, people, I, I think the majority of people are just fed up with it, wanted over it. They oh, would yeah. just assume our legislators being making laws, doing making so, our yeah. country, doing, doing what they're supposed to do. So I, and so the good thing, if I'm right, and Pelosi's like, oh crap, we got to do something to make ourselves look good, then she is probably more likely to compromise and let some things come through that will, in her eyes, she'll be able to spin and make her party look good. Mm-hmm. But that's good, probably for the country, yeah. Um, because we can get some things done maybe here in the next year. Is that what you call if you can't beat them, join them? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't just, think they'd go that far, but I do have, you know, even though some people just think she's a real snake politically, and I, 
that's probably true. But on some level, I sometimes I have compassion for because it it's like, oh my word, I just I could never. I, I can be a principled person and talk about my principles. I don't know if I could be a politician. I don't know if I could be the person that yeah. has to compromise, has to kind of manipulate, move the party, try to get people on your... And just all the stuff that she does, it seems evil at the core. But I, I could see where a good, valued person might... That could do it. I might be able to say, yeah, you're a good person, even though it seems weird that you're, you know... Yeah. I, but it's a hard job. It would be a terribly difficult job. And I... Yeah, I'll give... I'll give anybody in politics that, that it's a hard job because you have to compromise if you're going to be effective. And that's always hard because people don't like to compromise. They want their way. Mm -hmm. And so you always run the risk of alienating your base if you want to actually play play, play a game instead of just take your ball and go home. But Well, I, I heard... Um heard an interview with Lila Rose, I think it's Lila, Lila Rose of Live Action. She was talking about the fact that when it, um, Live Action is the pro-life organization, and she was talking about how the, the right's propensity to compromise has caused significant, what, what she thinks are, are problems in the United States with regard uh, to abortion policy. And uh, <clears throat> she... And hearing her talk about it, she was talking about it in the context of abortion, but I'm, I start to wonder, you know, I, I sometimes think that conservatives aren't good at, um, I don't know, making good arguments or the right arguments to say, wait a minute, um, there shouldn't, there really shouldn't be compromise on this. Yeah, uh, and, uh, but I guess as a politician, sometimes you have to, but, but I could see, I could see just the steps over the last several years, just moving the abortion um, issue so far left that it's just gone gone nuts. Um, she offered some some hope that it's maybe swinging back. And I think it is. I mean, there's there's a lot of we don't hear much about it in, right now because of the news cycle. But but there are have there have been in the last handful of years some pretty significant bills that are being fought now in the courts. So I think we are moving the football. And I guess you know that's the hard thing, and it comes back to the root of the argument or the concept we were just talking about is that you have to, I think, make a decision. If you're not going to get everything you ask for, are you going to settle for moving the ball a few yards or <coughs> try again next time and get no progress? So I understand compromise when it comes to things like that, but that's not to say that it's okay that a single baby yeah. is aborted, but um, you might save some, and if you can do that, I guess it's a good thing. Yeah, it's so. I guess I'm saying it would be really hard to be a politician and compromise on some things. It's and and why? And I guess I ask myself the question: Why don't we have? Why aren't 90 percent of our politicians fighting for protecting people's freedoms, protecting people's rights, instead of trying to push their particular agenda? It seems like. And granted, I'm coming from a conservative perspective, so I'm going to be thinking rights and freedoms more so than a than a Democrat would, maybe. Um, I don't know. There's some liberal Democrats that might think the same way, because liberal freedom, those yeah. type of people. But it's like, it, it's just, it's not about the government taking control away from people. It's about protecting the people so someone else can't take the control away from them, except in just a few mm. minor cases. And one of those cases would be the case of abortion. It's your child. Raise them how you want to raise them. Treat them how 
mm-hmm. you know, almost, 100%, almost, treat them how you want to treat them, raise them, discipline them how you see fit. Very, very few exceptions. It's your child, you're in charge. You can't kill your child. That's yeah, already you can't that's, kill them. So that's, that's already illegal. <laughs> and <clears throat> so, um, but everything else is, is pretty much up to you. Um, and th- th- and here's the and I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. I even uh, I even would argue that if parents, both parents, want to give some kind of hormone, whatever it's called, to their kid that was born male to make them female, that's a parent's rights issue. I think it's damaging, and I think that someone out there should start an organization that keeps promoting why it's damaging and why it's bad to convince those parents otherwise but it is the parent's choice even though I, even though I think it's damaging and I, and I guess I would say it doesn't cross the line of being abuse and I know there are some people on my side of the aisle that would say it is abuse and it should be illegal um, <clears throat> and, and I'm always afraid because I see that abuse line yeah. being pushed too far I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's, these these are hard issues, and man, yeah, it's 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 difficult because in our just the way we have it. I mean, if we had, I think I don't know if we had this discussion off the air or what, but I was speaking with somebody a, a while ago about how a good monarchy is the best kind of government hmm. because mm-hmm. if if you have a good monarch, then they can do what is right and decipher between in this case is abuse in this case is not abuse and instead of making blanket laws that are supposed to apply equally on everybody but everybody's not equal so you know how do you do that so um there's inherent inherent problems with any kind of earthly government that are just going to they're supposed to be intention I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah so I do want to make two comments. I think I can do it before our cigar update. Um, so first of all, I'll come back to the equality thing. But I, I agree with you that a good good monarchy is the way to do it. But that that how often you know out of a hundred kings in a thousand years or whatever, how many well, how many are good? I say that with the caveat yeah. is there are only one good king, and that's Jesus yeah. Christ Himself. So <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, that's the baseline right for me. Well, I mean, even even in that. In the Old Testament, when you look at the when you look at the series yeah. of kings, were there maybe two out of however many that were considered good, and they weren't perfect, but they were right. And they were they weren't perfect, yeah. yeah. And so, um, and that's the whole reason that the United States of America experiment started was because it's like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. um, this elite person or people even person or people up here telling us what to do is not how we should live. We should create a government where. We elect representatives that protect us so that no one can actually mm-hmm. force us mm-hmm. and tell us how to live with a, with a few rare, uh, a few exceptions. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> if I want to kill you, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of the government passing a law to protect your life. <laughs> how, okay, Are we, you want to do a cigar update and then I have a, something to go off of that. Um, don't forget what you're going to say because I, I wanted to talk about equality because you said yes. people aren't we'll do e- we'll people do aren't equality. equal but but people can be equal under the law and I, th- I think we need to be careful there because I think people can be equal mm. under the law I think yeah and the and, and the I don't want to go into that I mean I could talk a long time on that but the thing I do want to talk about is the places where people aren't equal 
it has to do with proximity. It also has to do with with um, social social structures. Well, yeah, in I, your immediate family, mm-hmm. there will be some things that are unequal. But as a, the two parents know, yeah, but that's going to be better for everybody if if that you know that person's a little different than that person. So it's going to be a little unequal. So the the smaller the unit gets, the you know, the more likely it is to have some inequity that is good. But when you get an entire nation, the idea of saying, "Well, golly, you know, you're an Iowan, so you don't, you don't get treated the same as someone from Virginia, mm-hmm. Joe," you know. Well, that, yeah. So that's that's yeah, what, tons of different levels. Yeah, that's my that's my equity thing. But under the law, everyone should be treated the same. Well, so. and I and I and just a quick just a quick response to that is that when I say people aren't equal, I mostly meant circumstances aren't equal. People, yeah, they should be treated equally under the law, but circumstances change every they're the whole if you misapply a law because you misunderstand the circumstances it can be really detrimental yeah anyway so cigar update yeah what do you think well um I'm not being wild like I was anticipating um I would like more sweetness there's a there's a real um earthy Breadiness, mostly earthy and breadiness, and just a hint of sweet coming through. Um, uh, maybe, maybe some nuttiness. I didn't get the nuttiness that I got for just a hint at the beginning. That's all for now. I might have some more comments after you say something. But I like uh, you were saying earlier that the cigar is really not one that is maybe known for transitions. I I do think that I'm tasting more of that sweet, bready, nutty right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because I'm sort of getting my palate back or whatever, but um, I'm enjoying it a little more than I was at the beginning. I might be drawn too slow. I've been talking a lot. As I took a couple long, harder draws, it got sweeter. So I'm going to try to I'm going to try to draw a little more. And mine's a little tight. Is yours tight? No, I don't think so. Mine is a hint, a hint tight. It's 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 enough that I'd complain a little, but I wouldn't write it down as a you know I wouldn't write it off, mm-hmm. especially this. This um, this good of a cigar. I wish I knew. I wish I knew the price. I don't think this one. This one's probably probably an eight, eight maybe in the eight dollar range would be my guess. I can't remember. They weren't uh, part of the reasons why they they don't get raved is because they're they're not as expensive as like the <laughs> so and, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's like oh well they can't be as good. Well I you know that's mm-hmm. why people are saying I don't know maybe these are maybe yeah. these are as good even though they're not not as high priced. So yeah. mm. it's funny. I was thinking about that today. How just. Price alone can change people's opinion about things. Yeah. <clears throat> um, one more draw, and then see if I have anything else to say here. Okay, I definitely need to draw more. A little, a little bit harder, because that's. It is better when you draw harder. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to try to heat it up a little. I've, it's a pretty, mine's a pretty dense pack as I, as I squeeze it. It's it's not a particularly soft, light pack either. So it it's it's packed pretty good in there. I'm gonna try to without breaking the wrapper. I'm gonna try to just squeeze mine a little to loosen it up. Give a little massage there. Yeah. So um, you were gonna go somewhere. Can I can I talk yeah. first? Okay. So when we as people equal you know equal under the law, I, I, this could this could go. Uh, we'll come back. It has, has to do with a, a previous tenant of mine. We'll, we'll come back okay. to that in a minute if we have time. You could go ahead sure. and go with what you were going to go. Well, I don't think this will take us very okay. long. I, I can't remember what I was listening to the other day. But they were 
I think it was out of Florida, there was a case where this there was a woman, and she was a married woman, and she apparently had a boyfriend. And husband catches boyfriend and woman, and one of the men challenges the other one to a duel, and they tried to kill each other, and I think the I think the boyfriend won. I think he actually killed the husband. Yeah. And now he's going to prison, obviously. Uh-huh. Okay, so I know as a fact that in history, several of our U.S. presidents had been challenged and actually fought in duels. When did that change in the United States? Because we talked about you don't have the right to kill somebody. Do you have the right to challenge somebody to Mortal Kombat? <laughs> because when, where did that go? And I True, and it's interesting <laughs> it because if you brutal. willingly say, yeah. I'm going to go into this duel and I know that... We, we are at an impasse. You, have, you yeah. have offended my honor and my personhood and I challenge you to Mortal Kombat. That that was a thing for ever mm-hmm. and now it's not anymore. So what happened that changed that? Mm. Any, any, any thoughts? I don't expect you to know the answer. <laughs> I don't know the answer of where it went but it's creating an interesting uh, we'll call it a dilemma. I don't know if it's a dilemma because I'm like, you know me, I, I always land on freedom until I can convince myself that there should be laws or even upper government being involved. So, my default is, why why should anyone care? Let them let them free freely choose to duel. It, but it doesn't seem right to me. But it also doesn't seem right to interfere with two people that freely choose to, you know, yeah. go into a duel. It's because right? I think that. I mean, I know there's etiquette, and there were maybe even contracts involved back in the day because, well, the challenger would make the challenge, and then as the way I understand it is that the, the challengee, or the one who was challenged, got to pick the method and circumstances of the fight. So, like, for instance, I know one, and maybe we're getting off the beaten path, but one time <laughs> Abraham Lincoln was challenged to a duel, and he... he had to accept it because to decline it would be to affirm that he was a coward or whatever in those days. And so he set up the duel to where they were going to be fighting, like, in a pit of such and such dimensions, divided by a short wall and with a certain weapon that basically his reach was going to make it impossible for the other person to win. And so the other person, they settled it without dueling because the person had been beaten, you know, yeah, in essence. That's funny. So, but I know there were, you know, rules and etiquette and... <laughs> which makes it safer. I mean, right? Because if yeah. there's a if there's a process and it's a binding <clears throat> thing, then... But who sets the rules and the etiquette? The government? Society? You know, what, honor? I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I guess the two yeah. parties. That, an arbiter of some sort? Could, could be an interesting, interesting... Uh, well, yeah, I, I wonder what would happen if that were able to be done again. Of course, people would go off the rails, you know, and, like, challenge... I'm sure somebody would challenge Trump to a duel or something stupid. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, it sounds uh, a bit barbaric, maybe, but... wonder where that went. I don't know. That's all it, I had it, to say. It was, it was interesting, nonetheless. So, so back to this, this tenant issue. I, I, I think my evicting a tenant recently um, kind of is a good example of kind of I don't know the the way laws should be handled I have some complaints about how Iowa laws kind of favors the tenants I think too much and takes some property rights away from them but that's neither here nor there 
So, this individual, I screen her. She, I don't think she lied to me about anything. She was honest with me on her application. I knew what I was getting into. I knew she wasn't a great tenant to rent to. The property been rent been empty for a while. Doesn't hurt. I'll take a chance. I know she's getting a lot of help from different organizations. I'll take a chance. Well, she was by my agreement two and a half weeks late with it to getting me the deposit. But that was part of the agreement. So that's fine. I agreed to that. Then rent was due and I was real clear. It's like, you know, your paycheck is coming after <laughs> rent's due. Um, so you need to plan ahead for that. Well, she either didn't or whatever. Or couldn't. Or couldn't. And so rent came due and um, rent was X number of days late. She until I posted an eviction notice on the door, I am pretty certain she never sought any help until the eviction notice went on her door. Then she sought community help, got community help soon enough, paid rent and like $40 late fee. Okay, so month one, month two, you paid rent. Month month three comes around. Uh, oh, um, uh, you know, my, I only have, you know, $80. Will you take that? And I put the eviction notice on the door. She starts calling around to local community agencies, gets the money, pays rent plus $40 late fee. That was the third, beginning of the third month. <clears throat> beginning of the fourth month, rent's due. Oh, I have 60 bucks. If you want to come by and get it, I'll have the rest in two weeks. And I said, no, thank you. I'm evicting you. And, of course, he called all these agencies, and a couple called me, <clears throat> and I didn't return the calls because I wasn't going to accept the money. She, she couldn't get the money, you know, to her and to me quick enough, and I went through the eviction proceedings, and at about the 14th of the month, she was out of the apartment. Um, and so, on one hand, I have to look at that and say it was, I look at it and I complain it was a pain in the butt, but... I made my choice. I knew what I was getting into. I did what I was supposed to do, and she's out. She left a huge mess in the apartment, but doesn't. None of it surprises me. Right. So I, I anticipated all this, uh, but I guess that's how it's supposed to work. I was. I've entered freely into a contract with her. She's trying to negotiate and say, "Wait, I can't pay. I can't pay. I got to get all this help." Now, I think she was a little irresponsible. She shouldn't have waited till rent was due. She should have maybe been calling him two weeks prior saying, hey, my, my paycheck's not going to come until four days after rent. But she wasn't that type of a person for whatever reason, and so we we played it out, and now she no longer lives there. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's okay. Um, um, and, you know, I, I don't know what my lawyer... I haven't got a bill for my lawyer yet, but you know, I'm, I'm sending emails every day to my lawyer making sure I dot my T's and cross my I's. <laughs> and which I always do too. Yeah. <laughs> and she she didn't even show up at the hearing, so it was instant. Yeah. I win, she's out. Uh, and I didn't have to pay the sheriff to come by and kick her out. She left the keys and and left. Basically, left everything in her apartment. She might have moved a couple of things. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Um, so I'm saying this to say uh, uh, the, when I say it's okay, what I mean is. I think it's all right that she's trying to get help from people, but sooner or later all the people she's getting help from are going to realize something needs to change here. It, it, might, it might be that she needs to get kicked out. Now I don't care because I'm not her caretaker, I'm not her social worker, I'm not, her, I'm not taking care of her, I'm not her family, 
So for me, it's a contract. You can't pay me. I gotta. I, I want to keep my girls in gymnastics. So you can. You know, you're out. Um, but on a human level, I hope the people that are helping her are either gonna say, you know, the best thing for her to do. And and from my perspective, because I was giving her a lot of grace, mm-hmm. thinking oh, she's kind of on the edge. She might. But at that point. I didn't try to decide whether or not I wanted her kicked out. I said, honestly, I asked myself, what's best for her at this point? I didn't say what's best for me, because if I'd have said that, I might have tried to keep her in another month and rake in some money from the community. Yeah, didn't care where the money came yeah, from. Yeah, I didn't care where it came from. I, did, I could have probably still got the money, but I said, I think what's best for her is to just be kicked out. I don't know if I want to mess with this another month, but maybe I would, but, but I think it's best for her. So I kicked her out. And nobody can, I can't prove that. I couldn't prove that in a court of law that I did it because I think it's best for her, but mm-hmm. that, that's my intent. And so I'm babbling kind of long on this, but partly because it's me processing, I, I guess it's okay. I guess you can't, you can't change that in the world. There are bad, uh, use the word bad people. There are people that make bad choices or that make choices for whether they're good or bad or neutral that affect other agreements they've made in their life. So I don't have to say she's a bad person. I don't even have to say her choices were bad. All I have to say is she doesn't. She didn't pay rent. Mm-hmm. And I th- and that's how it should work. I, I should evict her, and maybe it should be easier legally, but whatever. So that didn't sound like it took too long. I know <laughs> when we were in uh, when we lived in Minnesota. I think it's like a six month or eight month process, something like that. That's a long process to evict somebody. Wow. But um, in the winter or just in? I think it's, I don't know. Maybe it is just the winter. But I don't think you can evict anybody in January at all in, in huh. Minneapolis. But wow. Um, yeah. I, I so think, any, any comments? Well, I think, you know, you have to divide it up a little bit between a, a, bit, a business transaction and uh, a social transaction. Because I think that... Both elements came into play, even into your business. I mean, there were some mm-hmm. social aspects yeah. and offered at the beginning, you know, knowing, okay, well, you may not have this deposit and and uh, <clears throat> extend some leniency towards you that way. I guess that's more of a social dis- mm-hmm. discernment or and it discretion. Does yeah, sure. So. Well, they, they both have values and they both weigh into the equation for sure. But at the end of the day, um, a person who doesn't hold up their end of the bargain, I mean, they, uh, there's going to be consequences for that, no matter what kind of bargain it is. Yeah. And the, so I'm not going to talk over two minutes. I'm going to tell you that when the decision was over, I looked at the judge and I said, do, do I say thank you? And she's like, no, it's, it's unnecessary for you to thank me. This is just my job. You know, decision's done. And I, and she said, but it's never good when there's an eviction. And that's the kind of comment that normally, if I wasn't in front of a judge, I would talk about more. But the, the hearing was over. She'd already made her so I wasn't going to lose anything in the hearing, but I didn't want to risk being in front of her in six months. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't speak honestly. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to say, this. what I wanted to say was this was just. Justice was served here. So yes, it was a very good thing that this lady was evicted. Now, well, it's a... <clears throat> I mean, in her defense, and I don't know who what your who your judge was, but it is sad when when 
because I think that progress is when we can make agreements and we can we can win. Everybody can win. It's not good when there has to be an arbiter. It's not good when there has to be a lawsuit or any kind of. I mean, if you're in if you're in court, to me, that means something went wrong. That's not good. <laughs> like in a, on a in a broad sense, the, do you make? Yes. You understand what I'm saying? I do, because that's what I had to tell myself the judge meant. Yeah, I think that's, but maybe not. And on a human I, level... She, surely she can't yeah. mean yeah. that it's always bad for somebody to be a victim. Yeah, and and so that's that's because I didn't talk to her about it. I don't know. But I, I would assume that that's what she really meant. Because justice was served, and I didn't like what she said, but I, I do assume that she meant, you know, it's, it's bad when a mother of four that doesn't have her kids, that's trying to get her kids back, gets evicted. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so anyway, but uh, I did. I mean, it's rough, but is it wrong? No. Yeah, I, yeah. See, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think it's wrong. And when she said it's it's never good, I'm like, no. Actually, I think it is good. Mm-hmm. I think it is just and right for her to be evicted because she didn't keep her end of the bargain. Now, um, because it's important for people to keep their agreements. Um. Now, and and what bothered me about it is that I'm not sure I could. I can see the judge's point from what you were saying, but but I can't I can't logically say why it isn't good. Like what what thing up in the ethereal universe makes it not good? Well, it's not good that she's not going to get her kids back. It's not good that she wasn't responsible. But it, how is it not good that you know? I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. It was hard for me to figure. Well, it just depends on what perspective you're seeing the, the thing from, honestly. It's, of course, it's good for the landowner. It's good, and it's, of course, it feels bad for the person getting evicted. I mean, that's common sense. But well, I, Depending I hope, on where you stand and how you see it. I hope it's good for her, honestly, even though it, it's hard. It's going to be hard for her. Yeah. But I hope it's good for her, not just good for me, even though it was just. So... Anyway, is there anything about impeachment that warrants talking about? I don't want to talk about it, but well, it's everything in the news right yeah. now. I think it's historic. That that's makes it worthwhile to talk about because, um, you know, this is the history that's going to be taught to our kids and their kids. Um, so it's important. The proceeding itself is important because of its gravity, but I think that just pragmatically, politically speaking, I think I'm, I'm a little bit excited about all this because I think it's going to be very hard for my political adversaries to come back from this. I just don't see how they're going to come out on top from this. I, I agree. So I guess from, from that aspect, it's, it's good because I think the people that are going to hopefully try to get things done right in our government are the ones that are going to win. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think that Trump himself, is, <coughs> even though he's not a quote-unquote politician, he's a political genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that you haven't heard. I mean, I haven't I haven't been paying attention to him much, but and I have. I'm sure he's tweeting or speaking about some of these things. But I think that when the campaigning starts, like really starts, I think they're just delivering this to him with a bow on it. I, I agree with you. The and yeah, I, I I hear some constitutionalists. I'll I'll tell them ones that are way smarter than me on a, on a legal level, talking about how a lot of this was done wrong. Yep. And the 
I wonder if any any of those who would I would consider on on my side or in my political party are going to worry about whether it was done wrong or or right worry about the balance of power issues in some particular cases and, and fight any of that <clears throat> um, uh, you know it, I, there's motion on that you're just not hearing about it really there's there was an IG report an inspector general report that came out yesterday that basically was looking into the <laughs> this is this cracks me up so it was looking into the uh, the origination of the Trump Russia collusion hoax basically it's been proven that there was no collusion and now they're looking back at was it like you were just saying was it done improperly whatever so remember back when Hillary was under investigation and then it was Comey I think they came out and said she did this she did this she did this she did this she broke this law she broke that law but we're not gonna file charges I rewrote the law <laughs> yeah. so that yeah basically that's what this IG report was yeah was like this was wrong, this was wrong, this was wrong, this was wrong, and this was wrong. <coughs> but it's I don't recommend criminal whatever. And I guess I don't know who exactly, but I know that a lot of um, uh, executive branch law enforcement type in the government people came out and said, "I disagree with this." <laughs> I mean, they're just raising their hands all over, like, "Oh, this is this is this is." bull hockey uh -huh. um, they'd absolutely need to be held accountable and I do know also that there are criminal investigations ongoing right now um, concerning things like the steel dossier um, some of the FISA court abuses um, they, they are working the back end uh -huh. Trump's Trump's administration and the law enforcement side is working there are oh, going okay. to be indictments I think I'm positive well I, I hope so so um, we need to do a cigar update, and then we might want to, as much as I hate it when when uh, leftists do it, we may want to try to predict the future a little bit. I want to talk fun. talk about what Trump's going to do in the second fun. term. But um, So, <clears throat> I had some interesting things happen. Retrohale kind of kind of made this a little more interesting. Mm -hmm. it's, and, and again, I have to be careful with the word interesting, because sometimes a good cigar is just there. Mm -hmm. And it's enjoyable, and that's what, that's what this is. So I don't want it to seem boring or, or uneventful. I'm really enjoying it, especially since I haven't had one for a long time. It's very smooth. It's what I want. I didn't want mm -hmm. too strong of a cigar today yeah, either. I agree. And uh, but the retrohale really, really opened it up. It, it brought out some of the sweetness. I'm trying to draw harder, but again, I've got a little bit of a tight draw. How, how are we doing on length? Because yours is burning. Yeah. So you're down. A, no, it's about the same, I guess. Yeah. I just have an ash on. Yeah. Mine. Yeah. And we are tapping our ash off, so we don't. Mm -hmm. So we don't drop it in the van. But I had a good inch and a half before I tapped mine off. So, um, but the retrohale opened it up kind of a, a, there was a nutty sweetness on the retrohale and just a hint of spice that I liked. Yeah, I liked, I, I get the nuttiness, especially from the retrohale. I did one very early on and it's kind of hung with me. It's been nice. Yeah, and there's another. The the earthiness there's a little bit of a of a let's say a bitterness but in a but in a, in a good way not a not a bad bitter like a maybe a maybe a cocoa bitterness possible uh, in there I'm not sure yet but because it and it's subtle and uh, mm, 
and it I'm getting when I when I purge I get a little bit of a little bit of that on my lips but I don't I don't think I'm right I don't know if it's cocoa it's um not something something might be something else there might be a little leather in there is there any there's a little yeah. leather in there too definitely that's what leather. it is yeah we always forget leather yeah but there's this definitely has leather in mm -hmm. it and uh, almost got a hint of vanilla I don't know if that's accurate or not but I bet the, I think that I think the sweetness I got was a vanilla sweetness I might might give you that I couldn't I couldn't identify it but Maybe so. All right. <clears throat> so, is there anything else we should cover before we? Because predicting the future is kind of like one of those things I just like doing for fun. Is there anything else really important? Because I thought there was some. Wasn't there a Supreme Court thing that? Uh, what the heck was that? There was a Supreme Court thing. Oh yeah, Exxon. I don't know how big of big of news this is, but Exxon Mobil. And this is a little complicated, but they won a case where investors. We're filing suit against them, and they won, claiming that they didn't mislead investors about the cost of them of ExxonMobil doing things to stop global warming. See why it's a little complicated? Okay, so can you repeat that? Sorry. I'm gonna try. I'll try to get it right. I th if I got the information right, ExxonMobil won. They didn't deceive their investors in making claims about what it would cost to prevent global warming. Interesting. <clears throat> um, so, what was the claim? Well, I, they claimed that they were that they were misled, and so they filed suit against Exxon. The invest some so, of the investors filed suit. So the investors were saying that Exxon Mobil was telling them that it was going to cost way too much. <laughs> To <laughs> That's my understanding, but I didn't read that officially. Like, yeah, it can't cost that much. So yeah, we're yeah, gonna, okay, yeah. So, um, so so there's it's weird. There's a lot of twists in there. Yeah, because it because it gets into the business can do whatever. What they are want. your assumptions yeah. there? Too. Yeah. So, um, but it was interesting, and I guess there's this. According to the news report, right, there's actually a series of cases related to global warming like this, and this is the first. And Exxon Mobil winning, on one hand, seems right and good because the investors weren't but but it wasn't even a global warming issue it was an it was an issue of if they misled investors interesting so um that seemed reasonable seemed to be the the right case you know even though it's big oil you know it's like oh do i want big oil to to get off scot-free here yeah uh, <clears throat> so um that's kind of interesting, I guess. Is it going to be a precedent? I mean, is it, how is that going to affect... I always think of court cases now as to what precedent they're going to set since we operate on case law instead of the way things ought to be done. Yes. But uh, I guess it's kind of impossible to know how that might affect things, huh? Yeah. Has anything happened on any of the abortion legislation? Uh, that like the heartbeat I don't know. I think everything's just tied up in the courts. That's what I thought. Well, then let's... Let's let's, let's do take a moment to, pre to to tell instead of predict. We, we we'll take this moment to tell Donald Trump what he should do in second term <laughs> in the second term. <clears throat> so, do do you think he has any desire at all to look at entitlements? I think that okay. 
if I'm prognosticating here and guessing and predicting the future and <clears throat> claiming to know more than I do, from what I can gather, I think Trump's sights are more set on deregulating and protecting rights more than they are about restricting kind of silly entitlements. And I think this is why. I think, if I can assume, I would assume that he believes that if we can have a healthy, thriving economy, you'll need less of entitlements. And I think that, for the most part, that's, that's cool and that's good. But I think that the hard part comes when you have people who qualify for entitlements that take them when they don't need them. That can... That's going to skew that... I think skew the progress. But... I mean, because if I can... If I can feed my crew and, and not work, that's better than working to do, to do the same. Yeah. So... Um... So, so there might be some flaw in my logic there, but you since you took the words right out of my mouth, because he's a businessman, he's going to be concerned about making business successful. People can get jobs and work if they want to, and who cares about a time? That's actually what I what I think he thinks. I just wondered if there's somebody hiding in the background that's waiting for a second term. They're going to jump out with this well, huge plan. To I I wonder. I mean, really, here, here's the cool thing too, mm -hmm. is that with all of this hogwash that's come out of the house the last four years. Mm. Every single seat in the House is up for re-election in 2020. And that's exciting to me because if Trump were to, or if the Republicans rather, not Trump, it's not one guy show, but if the Republicans and the right kind of Republicans were to take the House and keep the Senate, there's really not a limit to what kind of real progress could be made. I didn't so, think about that, but the, the Democrat Party is hurting themselves so much mm. that, that, could, that could easily happen. They're committing, easily, easily they're committing suicide. Yeah, they are. And uh, so so it's really, I think, wide open. I do like the, some of the things I'm hearing concerning the future about Trump and gun legislation, gun gun rights. Um, I, I think, I mean, you guys know my point of view. I, good guys with guns is a good thing. So, because you mentioned guns, I have to mention this, and I don't have all the details, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to accept a little bit of non-information with the information. You'll have to look it up. Uh, apparently, Virginia, the state of Virginia, has gone very democratic, and they're really trying hard to restrict gun rights. And a Is sheriff. This about the sheriff. Okay, good. I'm glad you're going here. I have opinions about this. Go. The sheriff. <laughs> In a, in a, I gather it's a small town. Said county, it must be a county. Yeah, I'm just, yeah county. Said I'm basically just going to deputize everybody in the county to protect their gun rights. Sounds like a neat thing to do. I, I but I was, is it because it's a, because it is a governmental? The sheriff is a government. You know, or it's like so. Is that any type of overreach that I don't want? I like the idea. I think it's great if that's what you have to do to protect their gun rights. That's a neat idea, but you have a little more insight into this than I do. So tell me what you think. Okay, <clears throat> it's a fun political stunt, mm -hmm. but this guy is not thinking like a law enforcement officer when he did okay. this. Okay. Here's the deal. Okay, as as a I'm a reserve deputy. I've been deputized, and I can whatever. Um, uh, it, if it's up to you who can carry guns and how they can carry guns, 
if you make everybody a deputy, <coughs> your your agency is liable for how each of those people uses their weapon. So all it would really take is one knucklehead who's now been deputized to get into a bad shooting and the lawsuits would bankrupt that state. <coughs> and I really think that if somebody in the state of Iowa were to do that, I honestly wonder if the if the state would decertify that officer as being I think the state might take his power away because I that's such a dangerous thing to do. And okay, if you're a law-abiding citizen, you have every right to own a gun, you have every right to protect yourself and the community. You just have that right as a citizen. But to to put a seal of approval on every person who's going to carry a gun and say, this is an agent of my law enforcement agency. Oh, man, I think he's opening himself for law for lawsuits up the wazoo that's just going to be... I don't think it's viable. Mm. I, so, well, so there. I, I knew, I'm glad, I, glad you mentioned it because I wanted to get your perspective on it. And and liability, unfortunately, is, is a big thing. It's a reality. Yeah. It is a reality. <clears throat> now, sometimes it's a legal reality that people misuse because they say something's a liability when it's... Okay. The... And this, this I won't be able to quote this lady exactly, but I was talking to a, a, the insurance lady at the National Office of Youth for Christ once. And <clears throat> she was basically saying that... Even if there is no liability, even if even if there is no chance of a problem, even if there is the likelihood is very very slim, there still always legally exists liability, which seems to me a bad thing, but it might be it might be a reality. And and so she was saying, even even if everything's covered, you know, but the, the, there is still liability, even if nothing's ever going to happen, you know. If it's a million to one chances. Right. And so that legal caveat there always makes me think, okay, so you just, you can't get away from, from liability un, unless something legally is done. Like, which again, this gets complicated legally. If there's something legally could be done to protect the office well, when they would. Okay. You know, so let me think that. back to some of my training classes here. I do know that even as a deputy, if I, if I go out and I... I'm engaged in some kind of discussion with some person and things go south and I choose to shoot that person uh-huh. or use my gun to damage something or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, and this goes beyond guns. This is just whatever. Yeah. Now, I may not have broken the law because the law does protect peace officers mm-hmm. from from uh, certain types of liability because then it goes on to the agency. Mm-hmm. However, if I do something that's outright wrong... Um, even if I'm protected by certain statutes because I'm a law enforcement officer, I can still get punitive damages. Yeah. And because and you're as, still an individual, and yeah. I have to pay those punitive yeah. damages. The 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 agency doesn't pay those; the officer pays those. So I guess there are some protections there for this sheriff and his agency. But the deal is this: that he's just inviting unnecessary liability because if Doug Mills goes out and carries a gun, he's liable as a citizen for that. If I commission you as an officer, then first first liability is with me because I've commissioned you. And I just I just think that as a sh- 
if I were the sheriff, there, there's no way I would do that because the people that are going to be rabid uh, asserters of those rights mm -hmm. are the ones that you have to be especially cautious about. You know, the ones that are militantly holding on to their guns and just kind of, kind of looking for a reason to use them. Those are the ones that are going to be especially excited about this. And they're the ones that pose the most risk. So I don't know. I think it's kind of a foolish thing. It's a cool, it's a fun stunt. Yeah. Okay, I'll give him that. But All right. I don't um, know if he'll actually do it. So, um, is, did you, oh good, it's still lit. So, because we've got about, according to my clock, if we're here another 20 minutes, we're okay. I'm just going to let the timer run. We'll just do a long podcast until... Until we get tired. I, I have to too. Should we <laughs> should we pause it and come back? Yeah, sure. Okay. <clears throat> oh, the bathrooms are closed. It's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a long pause. Well, let's uh we can do a little Yeah. We'll uh we'll check back in a sec. <clears throat> okay. Oh that doesn't pause it, I forgot. I gotta do that. So well so let's predict Let's go into Trump's second term. We'll go for a long podcast. We'll talk a little bit. So about we're assuming he is going to be. <laughs> yeah. So we're assuming that, and we're gonna we're gonna tell him what he what he should do second term. Okay, you go first. Well, the wall seems like an obvious thing, and 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 the wall, on one hand, being a symbol of immigration reform, and on the other hand, being a wall. <laughs> Pragmatic asset. Yeah. So whatever he does, and and I wonder. I wonder if somebody said to him, you know what, that should be a second term issue. <clears throat> because it does seem like he was big on that for a while. But man, if he gets a second term and it's like, what do I got to lose, dude? Let's let's fix this. Well, they're doing it, right? I mean, it's happening. Yeah, but it seems to be kind of, well, and this might be a little bit of his strategy. Funded. Yeah, it might be kind of under the, under the radar, under the publicity, because the publicity can be negative. It's, it's, it's always spun negative. Yeah. I subscribed a while back to a newspaper. So I thought it was a good idea. Um, it's called the Epoch Times. Oh. Have you heard of this? Yeah, I thought about... It seems is to it be free online good. or does it cost? It costs, some, it costs okay. money. I think it's like... What is it? Like $16 a month or something like that. So, so this is my rating of whether it's good or not. The Daily Wire people have quoted it. <laughs> oh, really? So, yeah, they have. So... Um, <clears throat> It's very, I think it's very conservative, but it's not, uh, I think it's very conservative. It's very pro-Trump, but um, there was a, the, the front page, actually, I just received this week's, you get one. Oh, shit. You get one. Uh, I said shit on the recording. Me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the front page of the paper I got yesterday had an article about how the border agents are, how much relief the wall already is bringing them. Just as a physical barrier, and so that was, I think it's it's I think it's probably happening. We're just not hearing about it, and I think that it should be fully funded and just finish it up. Also, there's a guy I can't remember his name. Uh, oh yeah, it's uh, Jerome Corsi, I think. No, not Jerome. Is it Jerome Corsi? He has actually um, started to advocate and has proposed legislation that they they hire the Hesco company to just finish the wall. These HESCO barriers, you've seen them. They're, um, they use them for the military all the time. They're, these, they're basically like these huge mesh bags that they fill with earth and rocks and dirt and whatever. 
Um, they are made from a material that is conductive. That I don't think they're electrified, but they have se they have sensing capability to where you can tell if somebody's trying to scale them or mess with them or whatever. And they're extremely affordable. I think the whole wall was going to cost like I think five million dollars hmm. or something like that. So they're I mean these cool ones that were designed and are being put up or they look cool but um, these Hescos would be really cheap really fast to put up and would achieve the purpose for way less money mm. way smaller time frame they could have the military put them up in like I forget what he said it was a really short amount of time they could wow. have the whole thing done cool so and that's active that's legislation that's been proposed it's like being considered or something well that's that's pretty cool to hear so so I think that's gonna happen Let's let's say finish the finish the freaking wall. Finish the freaking wall, okay? Because that's what people wanted to do anyway. Yeah. Continue to deregulate. Yeah, continue that. That, you know, and that's one of those things that I haven't researched enough to. I mean, I mean, on a theoretical level, I understand why that works, but I don't think I have any clue how much deregulation has been done. I mean, I think that's why the economy is thriving because it's just been easy to get people to work and work. Another thing that needs to be that needs to happen is uh, work with other nations because right now the American economy is booming. The rest of the world seems to be not doing very well at all. At least that's what I'm hearing. Okay. I think if we can start to let Trump be an ambassador, let him begin to make deals with other countries, China being one huge one. Um, you know, start making some deals. Start act. Start, start working with some of these other countries, like even Russia. Work with China. Work with some of the African countries. I think that we can really win better, <laughs> win bigger, if we stop messing around. Like, because honestly, I think the Democrats can't beat Trump. So that so they're using some of their allies in communist countries or some of these other like-minded leftist states to do their bidding and try to slow him and impede him. And uh, it's slowing and impeding the American economy as well. So I think beginning to open up big, big-time trade deals with other countries. Yeah, as a businessman, just get out there and do your selling. thing. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I hadn't thought of that because the only other thing on, on my mind was... <clears throat> was, uh, was uh, getting the government out of health care. Healthcare needs to be a big one. And the thing is, I don't even like healthcare reform. I don't even like saying that word because I don't think the government should reform healthcare. Yeah. I think the government should completely leave it alone. I think that's part of the deregulation that needs to happen. Is yeah, just I mean, I I like the idea of accountability. I don't want people being allowed to do things that we know harm people. But at the same time, what you've got is a set of gatekeepers that try to say what harms people and what doesn't harm people instead of using actual real science like objective science and so, yeah so somehow crack that nut I don't know how but well and and here's a I'm gonna say this and if, if it's a mistake you can correct me and maybe I'll correct myself I think allowing people the freedom to do something that harms themselves is a better option than not allowing them to harm themselves in other words if a person says I'm not going to spend my money on health care. I think you should let them do that. Sure. And 
they should live their life not having health care or health insurance. Sorry, I want to use my words correct. Not having health insurance and whatever. And if they can, if they have a problem and they want to lobby the people in their community and put up a GoFundMe because I have cancer, then they can do that. Fine. They're free to do whatever they want to do. They're also free yeah. not to buy health insurance. Well, just opening up <coughs> some alternative options, I, you know, as part of this deregulation, not mandating health insurance as it exists today. Not, not, you know, you don't have to buy anything, but let's open up what you are available to buy. Let's open up some... Well, let me make sure I understand you yeah. before you continue. When you say open up, you're not saying that the government necessarily opens it up, but the government removes restrictions... For example. ...that disallow people. Correct. Okay. So, like, let's say I have... Uh, okay, Hoxie. There's a guy named Hoxie. Uh, this is a long time ago thing. I think it was maybe even as early as the 60s. Mm-hmm. Developed a treatment for certain types of cancer. <clears throat> he proved it scientifically, double blind, the whole works. But there were some political things that happened with the drug companies where they wouldn't, the FDA would not approve his method because the drug companies weren't going to have a monopoly and make a bunch of money on it. So that so the FDA didn't approve it. So they put him out of business now now there's hoxie clinics that operate in mexico because because you can't do it in the united states that's stupid if somebody has a has a method that they claim is working and it's not hurting people let them let people have the opportunity to buy that treatment or that you know whatever it is so we we may have enough minutes to talk about that you say if it's not hurting people what if it what if it is I mean, how many... Well, if you have... If you're treating 100 people and 98 of them die from your treatment... I don't think the government will have to get involved. I think nobody will go get that treatment anymore. True. (laughs) But you can't... You also can't remove liability from that person. Like, I think they should be able to be sued or... Or be held held accountable for I, what they I doing. agree. What I don't approve of is the government telling us which treatments are can make claims and which ones can't. Right. Um, so I, I think can we're we on have the same, it both ways. Well, I think I think we're on the same page because there is there are already laws that right. would, would say if this hoxy person kills ninety eight of a hundred people that people could sue. And maybe they can't since they're in Mexico. But the good thing would be if they were in the United States, they, we would have that protection mm-hmm. of the law. And so, and fact of the matter is, um, this was, I almost can't remember the guy's name. I think it was Dennis. Uh, I can't remember his last name. I can think, if I thought long enough, I could. <clears throat> Guy had cancer really bad. That was one of the, um, he had a construction company that my electrician boss worked for down in Otomo. And his cancer got really bad, and he had lots and lots of money. <clears throat> and he was flying down to Mexico like every three months, <clears throat> getting some fancy treatments. Now he eventually died. I don't know. His life may have been prolonged by this treatment. It may not have helped. But at that point in his life, he was bad enough that you know, at some point, if only two percent of the people are helped and ninety-eight percent die, you know what? Go down. Take that. If you want to take that chance, you're going to die anyway. Dennis, just go down. You should be free to take that chance. Yeah. Um, and he was, and he did. And he did. But unfortunately, he had to go out of the country. He, he did. And so, when they talk about, you know, helping helping those that can't afford health care, poor people can't afford to fly down to Mexico and get that treatment. Mm-hmm. So, allowing 
businesses to operate freely. I, I think we're on the same page here. That yes, that the government needs to not be involved, except probably on the level that they already are. Right. That if well, if somebody's, uh, you know, making claims that, that 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 aren't true and trying to con people and they're an illegitimate company, you should have the right to sue and and go after them. My problem isn't. See, you know, you know, we give we give um, government in air quotes. A bad rap because of what they restrict and how they how they um, tell us what we can and can't do. I want to I want to have I want to caveat that by saying that there's nothing wrong with people in positions of authority trying to honestly look out for the welfare of other people. That's a good thing. What's bad is that there's so much money and. Um, corruption in that whole system where you might have a, you might legitimately have a person that's in uh, that's in in government that really honestly does care about people and they're just being fed information by drug companies and people who are benefiting financially instead of like legitimate objective scientists who are you know because I guess if we, if government's going to spend money and have a branch of government like Health and Human Services or mm-hmm. or Food and Drug Administration, they ought to employ, spend that money to employ objective scientists rather than paying basically lobbyists posing as scientists. Well, that's my, that's my biggest beef. Now I understand where you're coming from. Like the government shouldn't have that power anyway. But we are such a rich society. I don't necessarily find a if we have money to spare, why not hire some legitimate objective scientists? But we got to make sure they're legitimate and objective and not just a revolving door of lobbyists that were CEOs of drug companies and now we're putting them in positions of government oversight. I don't think I don't think it's a, I don't think you can do that. If I thought you could do that, I would be on your side. Because I don't think it's possible. Mm. That's why I'm more libertarian. Now, I I do say that the goal is freedom. With some very limited, and I mean very, very limited. I don't. I'm not a big fan of any of the government agencies that exist to, pr- to protect people because I don't think they're protecting people. What they're doing is they're res- they're limiting people to make a free choice to go do something. They're saying no, no, that's bad. Don't These do it. These are your choices, right? And <laughs> I'm not. I, I would almost say that government agency could exist and say that's a bad choice, but they can't stop you mm-hmm. because yeah. see that would <clears throat> yeah. That would describe kind of what I'm, yeah. what I'm getting. Now, I'm still not sure that I want that power in the government because it's all it is is it's a it's a big agency that rich companies can lobby to protect their share of the industry. And so I think I don't think it's a I don't think it's possible to have an administration that isn't lobbied in that way. That's why I think the government's job should be to protect the freedom of the individual to choose, and then. And here's the thing. I do believe science is a real thing. I believe truth and reality is a real thing. However, science, in quotes, is used to legitimize things. And just like the person at the big government administration is given science by the drug companies who are researching it in a certain way, spinning it in a certain way, and giving it to that person, I think it should be completely open. The little company that the FDA is restricting should be able to have scientists spin their stuff and sell it and give everybody the freedom to do what what they think is best. And here's where the government comes in, where I like that you challenged me on using government in air quotes. 
where the government should be involved is there should still be the laws we already have without the government agency. Or get rid of the government agency and get our legislatures to actually pass real laws instead of mm-hmm. having having the regulatory agency to say we can sue them if it's a legitim- if it's legitimately an issue. Yeah. But I'm not even sure that you'd need to sue. I don't think you would have so many suits and stuff if you couldn't refer to. Well, the FDA says. Yeah, it almost have you'd almost have to. Um, it seems to me like you'd almost have to uh, reform the justice system in a way that there was like another tier of courts or something, like these. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how it would all actually well, play out. Yeah. Well, and I, I just. Tell me why freedom's not not the best choice. Yeah. Um, to, you know, um, and here's the thing that I, I do have to be careful because I do always say that government's a bad guy, but very very limited, specific laws written by our state, maybe even a few at the federal level, I might concede, um, should be there to protect the person's freedom and to protect the person from being abused, even if they freely choose something wrong. I, I, I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think their choice... I'm not sure their choice should ever be limited. Yeah. Um, and if if I, we had more time, we could go into vape, vaping a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I don't know. We should we should do one final cigar update and then, and then see if we want to talk sure. about vaping or whatever. I don't know. I'm glad we got through the whole cigar. I want... It's fun. We haven't done this for a while. Did do an extra long podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's good. That help our three listeners appreciate it. <laughs> so we went a long time without an update. There was a moment on a draw where I retrohaled and thought I got a little anise. It hasn't come mm. back. Yeah, I didn't get that one. But it might have just and and one retrohale after that was a little stingy. It was a big retrohale and it burned my nose a little bit. But this cigar is not generally a cigar that would burn on the retrohale. I just it was a big retrohale, a little too much. And uh, and my ash fell off in my lap a while back. You know that, but everybody online doesn't <laughs> know that or whatever. So, um, well, final update. I'm gonna say I've, I've been I've enjoyed this cigar. Mm-hmm. It's not been one that like like you said does it didn't really wow me that much. Mm-hmm. I think if I were going to smoke it again, I'd want to try it with a good cup of coffee. Because I think that generally, when I like to enjoy cigars, uh, some sometimes sipping a coffee helps to pull out the notes that I like a little bit better, complement well. Um, but I, th- there was enough sweetness in this to keep me interested, mm-hmm. and it was a pretty, but pretty mild sweetness. Mm-hmm. A lot of that earthy, leather. Just a little bit of that sweet vanilla bread to make me like it. wasn't I wasn't put off at all by it, but uh, all in all, quality smoke. I I think so too. I'm I uh, and after after you've smoked you know a few cigars, you start comparing. You yeah. start saying, well, okay, assuming I was right saying this was eight dollars, I think. For this for this type of cigar, if I was gonna go this light, this mellow, which has been fairly mellow, um, I would choose this over some of the lighter Fuentes, some of the Connecticut wrappers. I would choose this over them. Yep. But in general, I don't have too many of those anymore. 
the Anejo I think is better. I'll keep the Anejo in my humidor. I may not buy this one again, but this is a good cigar. Um, and I, th I think I think the, the earthy, the leather with just a hint of sweet was, was good. Um, and I would definitely pick this over over some others, but since I'm limited on how many cigars I'm going to smoke in the rest of my life, <laughs> there's probably, probably others 10 or 15 that is it's going to beat this one out. <laughs> and, um, you know, um, so we'll, we'll call that our, our, our final update. Um, and I do think as I started to draw more, this uh, draw, uh, keep it a little hotter, it was sweeter. And so yeah, I'm, I'm glad I started, I'm glad so. I did that. And I'm glad we identified the leather. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, we need to try the Opus X. I have one. <clears throat> I don't know what they cost, but you should maybe maybe you should buy one, and we should we should smoke smoke, and maybe get Mark one too, and have him sit down with us. We should try it because I think the Anejo is better than the Opus X, but I haven't had an Opus X for a long time, so we should try that. So this was a good cigar. I don't like. I don't want to knock it just because I'm not. I might not keep it in my humidor. Doesn't right. mean it was a bad cigar. Yeah, no, it was a good. It was, you could tell it was a quality cigar. Yeah. For sure. And uh, there's a little more left, too, but I'm satisfied, and we have to go. Yeah, mine just went out, so... Yeah, hey, so we're, we're going to call it, it good. Um, maybe if we get together again, we'll talk about vaping and whether or not vaping should be regulated or or what have you, because there's some interesting stuff. But the, the, the freedom to choose stuff comes up. We'll, we'll talk about that next time. Very good. We'll call it good. All, All right. right, that's, uh, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening to Duck and Joe Talk. Talk to you next time.